Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Samantha Bond, uh, commonly known as Sam. Now, when I'm not doing my day job working alongside Maggie Smith, Pierce Brosnan, or even the gorgeously hirsute Burt Reynolds, God rest his soul, I'm an ambassador for a wonderful organisation called Acting for Others. And together, we've paired up some of the UK's brightest stars of stage and screen for <sighs> intimate conversations about, well, their passion for theatre, trials and triumphs, loves and losses, and a whole lot more. I said the theatre is a temple and you should be ashamed of yourself for desecrating it. Me as a black woman was not getting any of that work or any of that practice. And now I'm in this position, post-50, I'm ageing in. Ben Whishaw, the hardest man to make corpse on stage. I only got him once. Dear listener, there's a very good reason why we're doing this. We think that theatre is something to truly treasure and it must be protected at all costs, starting with the people working in it. And this is where Acting for Others comes in because we provide both financial and emotional support to production crew, front of house, actors, set designers, in fact, anyone working in UK theatre in times of need through a network of 14 member charities. And every penny this podcast generates will go to those charities. In fact, you listening now is helping, so thank you. And if you'd like to go further and make a donation, listen to the end for details or click the link in the show notes. Now, with the festive season well and truly underway, who better for our Christmas special than the King and Queen of Panto, Christopher Biggins and Sue Pollard. Enjoy. Sue, how gorgeous to see you. First of all, I have to say to you how sad we all are about Ruth Maddock. I mean, the two of you created history in that series, Heidi High, 
And she was not only a great friend of yours, she was a great friend of all of us. I adored her. Well, darling, thank you very much for your commiserations and kind words. It was such a shock, but I'm in Panto in Northwich because I know you're in Darlington, aren't you? Darlington, the Hippodrome. Which is absolutely fabulous. So when you go around the shops in Northwich, they're fabulous, actually. They've got 20 or 30 shops, everything you could want in one lane. You can't go anywhere in any shop without people saying, I'm so sorry to hear about Ruth. Because you know what she was, Chris? Apart from being good fun, a good pro, she was a pro's pro. Yeah. You know, she respected her business. It wasn't just that you were in it for the fame and for everything else that it might have bought. She just knew what she had to do and did it. So thank you for that. Well, she's now with her beloved John up in heaven and also Simon. That's right, Simon Cadell. Yeah, who was another wonderful performer. We were at drama school together, Simon and I. Now, she was on the other day and it was an interview with Alan Titchmarsh, Selena Cadell, Simon's sister. Oh, yes. She's a wonderful actress. Oh, she's marvellous. I mean, she's ever so kind of controlled with it, isn't she? She doesn't move her mouth at all. She kind of goes, it was all marvellous, darling. Well, Simon rarely moved his mouth. No, he didn't, did he? He'd sort of go all like this, really. <laughs> yeah, I, bit, know. I learned such a lot from him because he kept saying, Sue, when you're in a line on TV, you know, we were lined up sometimes, you know, the, all the staff in uh, Jeffrey Fairbrother's um, little office. and." I sadly felt I was on stage and leaned forward. You know how you do to look at Gladys. He went, you're masking six people, Sue. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It was really good like that. Yeah. I was thinking the other day, Chris, where did you and I meet? I can't remember. Do you know, I think we've just known each other forever. Yeah, we must have done. Do you think it was Joe Allen's? Well, it might have been. I think that I met you at one of these functions. It was either that or a party when we first knew Cameron. Ah. Oh, I know. That was Godspell. Oh, it was Godspell, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh. That's exactly where we met. Oh, blimey. And it was fantastic. <laughs> but you know, talking about Joe Allen's, well, Joe Allen's was a very important restaurant in Covent Garden, an American restaurant. And I remember when it first opened... I thought that people went to restaurants when they were hungry. <laughs> I had no idea that people went to restaurants to socialise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we used to go there and it was... And the one thing I remember with you God. happening to me was we were sitting there, four men sitting at a table in the corner... And you came in and you'd had rather too many to drink. Oh. And you came over and you stood on our table <laughs> and you lifted your dress and you had no knickers on. Oh, yeah, I bet you that's true. And I'll <laughs> never forget it was. I didn't know that those sort of things happen under a lady's uh, well, dress. No, well, exactly. But I think I've seen quite a lot of that under a few kilts, <laughs> I might add. <laughs> but you know how you do. Oh, I remember that, though. It was funny. I still do it now. Well, not quite so much now because I'm, I'm all of about 50 now, as you know. So. <laughs> 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 she said, poor cow, you know, she's deluded. I but, know. Then, but I remember as well going there and it was just fabulous because I remember you going, 
hello, darling, it's all marvellous. And then you'd go to another table. And I'd be thinking, well, the poor devil, you know, his dinner will be cold by the time he gets back because there's all this table hopping business, wasn't there? But I miss it a bit now because um, we can't go so late oh, now. Oh, no. It was, it was one of, And, you know, I had more affairs with waiters in that restaurant than any <laughs> other place in the world because that's not the only people I used to meet with the waiters. <laughs> and it was notorious. I had them all. I mean, it was outrageous oh. days. It was just <laughs> wonderful. It's it's not good enough, you see. That, that's the awful thing. There were too many blokes on the other side. <laughs> None of them come to our side. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? We've had fabulous times there. But sadly, I was there the other day before we came to Panto, obviously, and they're not doing later nights like they used to because they haven't got the staff, which is really sad. Yeah. They've all gone back to Romania or any sort of Romania where they came from. You know what I mean? It's so, <laughs> it's so really sad, though, because they were so fabulous, but they just haven't got the staff. No, I know. We've never worked together, have we, in pantomime? No. I mean, we've done some daft things. I mean, we've been on panel shows, haven't we, together? We have, we have. And I noticed that you did Blankety Blank the other day. Yes, I did. Yes. And what's the name? Got everything. Lorraine Kelly, she was terrific. She was really good. You know, Lorraine that does that. Um... Oh, I know. But you did the new one, didn't you? Yeah, but so did Lorraine and she won it all. Really? Mm -hmm. And there was lovely Richard, who was on, Richard and Judy. And uh, this guy, he was a comedian. And... Um, it was either very hot in the studio, but he nodded off. <laughs> I had to say, wake up, you'll miss your boss. Oh, you know, I God. mean, God. But we have done some serious stuff, haven't we, Chris? And we've had our moments, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember you in I, Claudius, and you looked about 12. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Those were the days. I mean, I look back on those font and whenever people mention I Claudius or Poldark, where I played yeah. the sex crazed vicar, yes. I get very excited because that's the real part of our career. Oh, no, of course. And of course, we're known for being stupid, really. That's the, uh, the next thing. <laughs> yes, but you know what, darling? I don't think it really matters because we try and bring joy to people. Absolutely. So what was your first pantomime? Um, it would be at Guildford. Yeah. And I was the Blue Fairy. There was no swearing, as we call what being blue is these days. I was the Blue Fairy. The colour? Yes, the colour blue. Yeah. And I remember going on, and it was, um, I think it was probably some somewhere in Act 2. You know what it's like. And do you remember, Chris, they used to have the pyros when you first come on as a goodie or a baddie. Yeah. And they make this wonderful sound. Well, this was powder. It was a powdered form, right, this pyrotechnic. Right. Well, I mean, I'm <laughs> sorry, dear. It caught fire, the frock. The frock <laughs> caught fire. I was too near the pyro. And I stood there like Lady Joan of Arc trying to move the flames out. <laughs> I was going, oh, God. Anyway, they shoved me off into the wings because I was a light and they rolled me up in some sort of rug and I got shoved back on again to continue the job. I mean, what was yours? Well, I'm in Darlington now at the Hippodrome Theatre, but in 1976, I was asked to come to Darlington, the Civic Theatre, and Peter Todd, who was a, a wonderful theatre manager, and Dougie Squires, who I know you know really well, mm. and Jamie Phillips, they were the producers and director. And they asked me to come and do pantomime, play the dame. And I said, no, I'm, a, I'm an actor. I don't do pantomimes. I'm sorry. <laughs> and they kept asking me and asking me and asking me. And I said, look, I, you know, 
Every pantomime dame I know is in their 80s, it seemed to me. They were really old. Yeah. And I was 26 years old. I thought, no, I'm not going to do it. They kept asking. And eventually they mentioned money. <laughs> and this was 46 years ago. And they said, it's a thousand pounds a week. Wow. Well, I thought, I can't believe this. I'd better do it. And of course, I did it and fell in love with it. And I did it ever since. I did three years in Darlington. Then I went and did three years in Brighton, five years in Cambridge. And I just loved it and still love it to this day. Um, It's very important. And I think, you know, it's not only important for the theatres that need to live for the rest of the year. But if the audience have loved what they've seen in your pantomime, they will automatically book for next year's pantomime. And the secret is they'll also go to more theatre in between. So we're a breeding ground for theatre. Oh, totally. I would agree with that. In fact, I was in the shops again. I'm always going to the shop. Uh, and anyway, this lady came up to me today and she said, we saw the pantomime on Saturday in the Northwich Memorial Court, which is very nice. It's not very far at all. It's in the heart of Cheshire and you can easily get to it by car or train. That's what we say in the show. It's like an advert. We're plugging Cheshire County Council or whatever. And this lady came and said, um, she said, I took my two sons and they've never been to a panto before and they absolutely loved it. So she said, I've got to book. And already we say in the show, it's Aladdin. You know, it's Aladdin they're doing already. But I sometimes think that's a bit of a shame, Chris, in a way, where they plug next year's show and you've probably only done about a week of your (laughs) show this year. (laughs) But apparently they said to me that they do that to ensure, like you've just said, they get a regular audience. And a lot of people, I didn't realise this, but they want the same seat. They just love J-Row, for example, J-8-9. But you're absolutely right about what you said. I mean, I still love the idea when you're getting your makeup on. And for people that don't know what a tannoy is, we have that. It's almost like a a relay, isn't it, the show out front. You can't see the people, but you hear your cue. And I just love that, don't you, the overture. And I love it when the children, as the curtain draws apart and then the fairy comes on or the baddie starts the prologue and they're screaming and and I do it on purpose because I want the teachers to get a headache. (laughs) (laughs) So they scream. (laughs) I know, but you know, I mean, I must ask you, do you remember ever working with anybody that has no idea oh, about Panto? Absolutely. I mean, you've got to only look, because we went through a period of inviting Americans over. Ooh. And I worked with the Hoff. Yes! Uh and uh, have you worked with him? Oh, yes, he was He was Captain Hook. I was a fairy. Yeah, I did it. I was uh, Mrs. Smee when he did it with Captain Hook as well. Oh. And uh, he was one of... He used to come in... Now, people who don't know, there's when you go to the theatre, you have to be in the dressing room by the half mm. or before. And the half is 35 minutes before the show starts. And then you have the quarter, which is 20 minutes. Then you have the five, which is 10, then beginners. Mm. When he used to turn up in beginners. Oh, God. And he was playing captain. Well, sometimes he used to get on stage and forget to put his hook on. <laughs> I mean, it, but you, I loved him dearly. He was such a lovely man. He was so, han- he's so handsome still. Oh, yeah, it really is. Did he do his night Rider? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, he did. Our producer was Jonathan Kiley who is still going uh, for our company now. Yeah. And I said to Jonathan, I would very much like to do Pamela Anderson in a red swimsuit and a blonde wig. 
And he said, no, you can't. He'll be very upset. Yeah. And I said, I don't <laughs> think he will. Be. And he said, no, you can't. So I went ahead and had a costume made, a red swimsuit and a blonde wig. And I wore it at the dress rehearsal. And the half fell on the floor. <laughs> he was screaming with laughter. So we kept it in. And uh, it was wonderful. It was great. For, I liked him enormously. Oh. It was my birthday during the run. And, his, and Haley went out and bought me a present from both of them. And he came in furious and he ripped the present out of my hand. And he said, I'm so sorry. She went to Poundland and bought <laughs> absolute rubbish. I'll send you something. <laughs> and what he sent me was in Baywatch, they had that red thing, which, you know, they threw out to save people in the water. Do you know what I mean? It was a sort of uh, like a, a life belt, whatever. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah, they have that round thing, don't they? Uh, hooked onto like a nail or something. That's right. Yeah. And he sent me one and had it and signed it. I've still got it to this day. It sits in my garage. I was Aww. thrilled. He was such a kind, nice man. I think when people get it, because I mean, I first met Ray Mar. They always pronounce his name wrong. They always say Ray Meager, uh. but it's Ray Mar, and he's Alf Stewart in Home and Away. Well, dear. He's absolutely terrific. In fact, I just saw him about four weeks ago. Every year he comes over to do some publicity for Home and Away. He stays here for about a month. And I just really like him. And he just got it straight away, you know. He just thought it was a delight. So he came over for about 30 years on the trot to do it. And I just think that a lot of the Australians, especially, they've had a great career from coming over here, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of them have stayed, like Anne Charleston. She was Madge with a marvellous voice. You know Madge? Yeah. Whose husband mysteriously drowned. And then they come back, don't they, 27 years later saying, oh, I was rescued, you know, and I've lived in comparative <laughs> obscurity. <laughs> oh, has anybody ever said... Anything to you from the audience that you have had to reply to or in a, or have they been a bit trying to be clever or just daft and say something fabulously silly? Well, my favourite thing in a pantomime is the song sheet with the children come up. And, of course, because of the pandemic and other things, we haven't been able to do it for a couple of years. But luckily, we're doing it again up here in Darlington. Yeah. And I remember the wonderful stories I have is the fact that we were in Brighton and we were Boxing Day, which, of course, everybody thinks is the best performance of the year. Because, you know, everyone's had Christmas Day and they're all full and they're great bon ami. But in fact, it's quite the opposite because they're too full. They're absolutely, uh, they've been drinking heavily the day before mm. and they sit there like lumps, you know, sort of going, entertain me. And uh, we had the children come up on stage and we had this little girl who was about 12. And uh, so I was talking to her, finding out how old she was, where she lived and what have you. And eventually I said, so it was Christmas Day yesterday. And what did Father Christmas bring you? And she said, nothing. Oh. Well, there was the most terrible chill in the theatre. You could feel the audience really not knowing what to do. And eventually I said, no, you must have got something. And she went, nothing. Oh, God. And I said, Nothing. Well, I, I mean, I didn't know what to do. It was the most awfully embarrassing thing. And eventually she said, oh. yes, we're Jewish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop it. Oh, it's, well, um, thank God that was the reason why then, in a way, when you think about it. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, but can you imagine? Well, I've got to tell you this, and, and I hope you don't mind, but I've got to say it as it is. Yeah. Because there's a word coming up now, all right? I was in this um, panto, 
And you know you get the children on stage and you usually get little Alicia, she's about four, and thank you very much, I've had a lovely time. Go and sit down then, darling. You know, the comic always does it, don't they? Yeah. Well, quite often they do it, you know, front cloth. And then somebody else came up, yes, what's your name? Emma, what did you get? I got lots of lovely things, I'm, I'm really lovely, and I'm, I'm thrilled to be at the pantomime. Go and sit down then. And then <laughs> this chap, he was far too old, he was about nine years old, right? That's a little bit, he was quite streetwise, right? And it was a, shall we say, perhaps... Um, a less than salubrious neighbourhood. <laughs> the guy said, you know, what's your name? Robert. What do you have for Christmas, Robert? Mm, this and that. <laughs> and uh, have you enjoyed yourself tonight? Yeah, it's been all right. So, of course, you can imagine the poor bloke was really, really desperate trying to get some, you know, some extract something from this young lad. And he said, well, is there anything that you'd like to tell us? He said, yeah, I'd like to fuck the fairy. <laughs> God. And of course, I was downstairs in the town. Oh, I was killing myself laughing. Anyway, the poor bloke, the comic went, well, come back next year and we'll see what we can do. <laughs> I mean, what, what, can, what, what can you do when you've got that? I mean, I bet his mother was going, oh, for God's sake, you've shown us up. You know, oh, but dear, you just oh, had to, well, well, he was being honest, wasn't he? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, Sue, I want to ask you a question, which I think is a good question. What do you think about the sort of stupid money now that people are getting, especially the American stars who come over to do pantomime? And they, it's like a, a gold rush for them. You know, they earn a lot of money. And also a lot of big English stars, too, earn a fortune. Well, I think this is like a double-sided thing somehow. I think if you've actually been on certainly the American TV or even English, what I call Saturday night TV, that used to be the shiny floor shows, I guess they've got, excuse the pun for the panto, kudos <laughs> in terms of people want to see them so they will pay more than they might do, kind of like for... Lots of other people as well. I just think that sometimes if you've been around for a long time, it's like you're an old cushion, if you like. So they tend to maybe not give a certain artist 
what they feel. But if they've got somebody like, for example, Priscilla Presley, they've probably got agents there that say, look, she'd be getting millions of dollars if she was in America. So we need that incentive to bring our client over. I know what you're saying. that, And of course, mm. it is nice that you get to a, an age where you know, you, you know you've got a bit of money coming in, which is useful. Well, I think so. Anyway, I meant to tell you, we've got Mark Levette, who's the beast in our panto. No, yeah. I love Mark. Yeah, he's fabulous. He's flesh creep. And of course, he's like Herman Munster, lovingly, because he's extremely tall and he's got shoulders like, woof, good grief, dear. Marvellous, very handsome. Yeah. You know, and he looks great. But it's so we do a little bit of a quiz, obviously, because of the chase situation. And um, that was it. This is, by the way, I don't know why I was talking about Mark. But anyway. <laughs> Now, Sue, I want to ask you a question. We've had wonderful careers. We've done everything, absolutely fabulous things. What would you consider to be your best moment in your career? Oh, no. It's terrible, is it? That's the awful thing. Do you mean actually in anything or do you mean any incident out of... No, anything. Anything in your career that you think to yourself, that is it. That is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Oh it's, oh, it's really, really difficult. Obviously, of course, you're going to say something like Heidi High because that kind of introduces you to the rest of showbiz, doesn't it? The public, but pantos, it gets you onto other things, the radio, you know, everything. That is the starting block, isn't it? But you know what? I absolutely adored a farce called Don't Dress for Dinner, yeah. right? Was that Ray Cooney? No, it was actually... Oh, who's the Frenchman? Oh. Oh, God, he was in the Commedia Della, whatever else it was. Mark, somebody or other. It was fabulous. It was such a great, such a great farce. Simon Cadell was in it. Of course, this is obviously in the Heidi High days. And it was fabulous. I just loved it so much. The great actor, John Quayle. They taught me such a lot about how to deliver your lines in a farce. It's it's very high comedy, as you know, Chris. It's almost like um, it's ridiculous, ridiculous situation that you have to make real. Coming in out of one door and in through another. And it was just stunning. Went all over the world with that. It was absolutely marvellous. So I've got a great affection for that. Do you know what I mean? I mean, what's been yours? Well, I mean, I've done, you know, you've very sweetly mentioned I, Claudius, Poldark. I've done some wonderful things being with the RSC, you know, wonderful children's televisions on Safari mm. and Rent-A-Ghost. But the thing that I really think changed my life, and I know changed my life, was I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Oh, yes. I mean, it was extraordinary experience. And also to win it, to become king of the jungle because of the oh. public, it meant even more. Have you done it, Sue? Oh, no, Dad. They'd never get anything to eat, dear. <laughs> they would be absolutely anorexia nervosa. <laughs> uh, I'd be going, ah! I'd be like that poor Gillian McKeith. Ah! Oh, ah! God. I think you were so brave. I'm not, I'm not being funny. The, the rats and the... Did you ever have to get, seriously, because I know some people have done this, you know your great friend Linda... When you're on the coach trip, Linda. Yes. Well, there was Linda. And she said that she was hypnotised. She tried to get hypnotherapy to help her, you know, when she went in it. Yeah. For the fear of everything. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. I mean, it is It is fearful. Oh, God, I don't know how you dare do it. How did you, when you think about it, you block it out? 
How did you block all the terror out of that? You know, that must have been in your mind at the time, enclosed in a box. Well, funnily enough, you know, you have to think to yourself, you have to be yourself. That's the important thing. Once you start acting and doing other things, then it becomes a nightmare. But, you know, I absolutely loved every single moment of it. I mean, even, you know, sleeping with 200 rats one night (gasps) and one getting on my crutch (gasps) and I didn't know what it was. I mean, you know, and then also eating a kangaroo's penis, uh, which, as I said at the time, I've had worse things in my mouth. Well, exactly. I don't mind a man's penis, but I don't think I really want... Anyway, moving swiftly on, uh, you were saying... (laughs) And then uh, uh, the kangaroo's balls, and when I... Bit into both the balls, all this liquid erupted, and I had to chew the sack. And then nine months later, I gave birth to a joey. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) And what do you think? We can't get into it too much, I know. But what do you think about Matt? He did well in the jungle, didn't he, Mr Hancock, Tony's brother? I know, but I I would have been furious if I'd been in the jungle and he'd come in. Because, you know, it was wrong. And the whole balance of the production went. Now, it was a terrific booking by ITV, but Mm. everybody lost out. And, you know, I thought that it was it was really bad. And, of course, now he's giving up politics. He's probably been offered a fantastic job on television. He'll be paid 10 million a year or something ridiculous. And I think it's very unfair. But, however, you know, that's showbiz, I suppose. I mean, and he did, of course, he did do well. Well, yes, he did. So, anyway, you've got to, you've got to sort of admire that. But the public, you know, when they sometimes say, oh, so-and-so is a bit of a bully... Oh, they were, they were probably a bit like that with Matt there. He had to do every flipping thing going, didn't he, really? I know, I know. Well, of course, that's the oh. thing. You get voted... To, I was in with the awful Janice Dickinson, the American model. Oh, yes. And she did nothing. She So, oh. you know, we oh. were up against each other right to the end. And uh, when they were about to announce the winner, I was convinced they were going to say, this year, the queen of the jungle is Janice. And, of course, yeah. she knew... Yeah. That's what she wanted. And, of course, when they said the king of the jungle begins, she was furious, absolutely furious. Oh, I bet she was. Because wasn't she the one that kept saying, oh, man. That's, oh, man, yeah, oh, yeah. Man. Oh, man. Oh. oh, but I quite like it. Oh, but going back to, going back to Hanto, do they still have that thing, like traditions? Do you got any traditions that you go by? Or that you know about? Well, I suppose I must do. I mean, you know, I'm not a sort of person who thinks I must cross myself every time I go on or, you know, um, bizarre things. I mean, I just know that what we do is what we do. I mean, you know, but I think there are eccentricities that go on in pantomimes. Oh, totally. I mean, I just love the fact that we're all thrown together in a a strange town. We don't know what we're going to do. You know, that night uh, we go home. The young ones usually go out and dance till five in the morning. And we older ones slightly go to bed about, you know, as soon as we get home, we go to sleep because it's exhausting. I mean, two shows a day, 12 shows a week is quite something, I think. Oh, yeah, you've got to have the stamina. You have to have the stamina Mm. and you have to have good health. I mean, you know, last year and the year before when we had COVID, I mean, it was terrible. There was a pantomime that Bonnie Langford did in Bromley and she was the only person who didn't go off. 
everybody in the pantomime, and they even had to bring a whole new cast in halfway through because everybody was off. It's such a shame. It is a shame. I mean, it is a hard-working job that we do yeah. in entertaining uh, mm. thousands and thousands of people, and it's very well worth doing. I, I love it. I love the pantomime. I'm the one that wants to go out till five. I still love going out to all the clubs. What's, hey, are there any clubs? Oh, come on. I want to dance my tits off when I go out a bit and then I can go back. But do you put, I've got a tradition about the makeup, not what makeup it is generally, but how you put it on. Do you have the routine, you know, where some people, don't they, they put, oh, no, no, I've got to do my eyebrows first, say, like, if you're the dame, then I've got to put the eyeshadow on. Then it's the, and if you do it in a different order, I've done this myself, I've gone, no, 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 I put the left eye on first. No, that's gone, no, that's bad luck. I'll have to take it off again and put the left eye on first. Isn't it weird? No, you're absolutely right. Absolutely mm. right. I mean, there is an absolute way of doing it, and we always do it the same way. It's very funny. We've opened and we've done five shows already, and they've gone really well. Oh, good. But what I found interesting was that I went out and I bought some new mascara and eyeliner, and I've been finding it very difficult to take off. And I thought this is – then suddenly I realised – that I bought uh, a, a, a way it doesn't run if it gets wet. What do they call it? Um, oh, yes, I know. Wait, waterproof. Waterproof, that's the yeah. word. Yeah. And I've had to go in today to Darlington and buy stuff that's not waterproof. Oh, right. Because it doesn't come off. It's, you know, you, you, oh. you go home and you say you've got a black eye. <laughs> I look and say, Niels, give me a hit. <laughs> and the next morning, you know, you wake up doing it. Still there. Oh, oh it's I hate horrible. that. When you get, yeah. But is it funny? When you go to the ladies behind, usually I'll just say ladies on the counter, the makeup. What do you want it for, Mr. Biggin? Oh, I know, I know, I know. I bet they love all. Years ago, you know Billy Differ, who's very oh, much yes. involved in our he's charity. He's involved with us, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic. And he now runs Cameron's Theatres. But Billy and I were going to a drag party. And so I went to a neighbour and borrowed, she just died, sadly, Pam. And I said to her husband, can I borrow a couple of dresses? And we did the makeup. And I took him to Harvey Nichols to buy some stockings. And he's a very hairy butch man, Billy. And we managed to get some... Now, the woman was fascinated behind the counter as to why. And I kept saying to Billy, no, you don't want, you want stockings that go right up. Otherwise, if they fall down, you'll look terrible. You don't want the ones that go as far as the knees or as we make conversations. <laughs> yeah. And she didn't mind at all. And in the end, when we went to this party and I did the make, his makeup and he looked lovely in the dress and what have you, and uh, the wig, and I thought, I don't know what we'll do. We'll order a gay cab which we had in London, and the gay cab arrived and he didn't bat an eyelid. We sat in the back, (laughs) sitting there like these two old queens. I mean, it was (laughs) unbelievable. And uh, we went to the party and it was, in fact, it was a party for Jamie Phillips, who I talked about, was my producer. Yes, who's lovely and died. Oh, a really lovely man. But uh, he didn't know it was Billy. And he's talking to him, all dragged up. And then suddenly I said... That's Billy Different. He, went, he laughed and laughed oh. and laughed. I mean, but, you know, <laughs> it was that whole thing of, you know, trying not to explain why we needed tights. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Harvey Nichols, never the same. I love all that sort of thing. But I remember once, you know, and it, it can happen anywhere. But sadly, 
I was dying to go. Luckily, I hadn't got uh, on for a couple of scenes, so it was all right. So I had to go to the ladies. Oh, God. Oh, the flipping microphone fell out. It fell out into the flipping toilet bowl. <laughs> went flipping through, and I just went, oh, no, my mic's in the flipping bowl. Well, of course, they hadn't turned it off. Yeah. <laughs> and I made the next entrance, and they all laughed and cheered because, you know, is your mic all right? Oh, they must have heard me, dear. It fell in the bowl. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, but it's funny. Oh. Where else would you laugh? Where else would you laugh that much, you know? Absolutely. You know? Well, it's been a real laugh being with you today, Sue. It's been marvellous. Oh, no, we've had a great time. I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a wonderful New Year. And let's hope it's a new year for all of us. Well, I do hope so, you know, because every single person deserves to have something good in their lives at the moment. I've sent you the card. Oh, lovely. I've sent you the Christmas card, you and Neil, so you'll get it then. Oh, good, Probably good. in February when you get back. Yeah. When's your show finishing? So give it another plug. Oh, yeah, no, we finish on the 31st of December. Same as us. We do our last one at 2pm. And then, you know, if God's willing, I can get over to Blackpool and see another friend in his show because he does New Year's Day, he finishes. But I'm glad to say, darling, that it's great to see you and I'm sending great love to you and we'll catch up when we get back to town. Big kiss. Yeah. And you, darling, God bless. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Sue and Biggins. This podcast is raising funds for Acting for Others, which provides both financial and emotional support to theatre workers in times of need through a network of 14 wonderful member charities. This is Susanna's story. It's the pandemic. COVID is everywhere. And all our work is gone. You know, the theatres closed. It seemed like they closed overnight. And uh, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was absolutely devastated. I just felt completely lost. If you're a jobbing actor, you never have enough money, you know, for savings and things. And I didn't have any insurance, you know, to help you with the mortgage. Or I couldn't draw down a, a pension because I don't have any pension. That That's being an actor. It's a vocation. You don't do it for the money. You do it because it's just something you absolutely have to do. One of my huge, huge worries at the time, because we didn't have a car, was how was I going to get to my treatments? You know, having all the chemo and everything like that. And it was a pandemic and I didn't want to catch COVID as well. But I was so, so lucky because the charity stepped in exactly when I needed it most. And it seems so simple looking back, you know, just saying, well, look, we'll make sure that you can get a car, you know, to your treatment and stuff like that. They basically saved my life and they saved my sanity. If you have the means and would like to make a donation, you can do so via our website, actingforothers.co.uk or click on the link in the show notes. Any donation, it doesn't matter how small, will make a big difference. So, dear listeners, that's season one of Acting for Others Presents all wrapped up. But we hope to be back with you in the not-too-distant future. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Matt and Scott at Podmonkey for their editing wizardry, the inimitable Dan Gillespie Sells for the music, and Feast for the artwork. The producer was Robert Rees. The executive producers were Kevin Mundai and Rich Evans. This has been a Simple Beast production.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.